Chapter 5, Such a Time as This Thousands of years ago, there was a beautiful young lady who was born an orphan, raised by her uncle. Through a series of events and because of her great beauty, she won favor in the sight of her king, which led her to become queen. This woman was a Jew who loved God and did her best to follow his ways, despite those who surrounded her. One of the king's main leaders manipulated the king to order a genocide against all the Jews in the land. This young woman's uncle found out about this decree and he called all the Jews to fast and lament. He then approached the gates of the king's palace and implored his niece who had won favor in the sight of the king to plea for the edict to be retracted. Though the woman loved God and his people, she was afraid because anyone who approached the king without being summoned could be killed. Despite her fear, her love for God and his people was stronger, which compelled her to approach the king. This act of surrendering would have gone against everything in her heart, mind, soul, and strength. For a woman to stand before a king and ask him to reconsider his decree could be fatal. In fact, how she rose to be the queen was through the king's punishment to the old queen for disobeying him. This woman named Esther must have been terrified. It's interesting because her uncle Mordecai declared the following phrase that seemed to be the turning point in her decision to surrender. He advised her that the whole reason God had allowed her to rise in power was for such a time as this, when his people would be placed in great danger. She responds by proclaiming she will approach the king, even if it ultimately costs her her life. The rest of the story you can read in the book of Esther in the Old Testament. Essentially, she sneakily convinces the king to not only change the edict, but to elect her uncle Mordecai to be the second in command over the entire nation. The story of Esther is a story of surrendering to the point of death. It would have taken all of her heart, mind, and strength to have the courage to follow God's leading in her life. The crazy thing about this story is that she didn't have a clear word from the Lord that her plea would work. Unlike Gideon's story or even the rich young ruler, Esther was not promised a reward for her action. She simply acted out of the conviction of her heart. She lived a life fully surrendered to God. Sometimes our surrender to God is directly tied to the deliverance of people. This doesn't mean that if you don't surrender, that people won't find deliverance in another way. It simply means if you don't do it, God will call someone else in your place. God's plan will happen with or without you, but our Father loves to co-labor with His children. This is seen throughout all of Scripture. For whatever reason, God loves it when His children take part in His divine will. Even Jesus had disciples. The call to surrender is simultaneously the call to participate in God's divine plan for the world. At times, God's will can be as grand as saving people from genocide. Other times, God's will can be as simple as loving one another. Surrendering everything to God is the ultimate act of submission. Our society hates the word submission. I recently had a conversation with a stranger about Jesus. The man said he loved everything I was telling him about Jesus except that I worship him and submit to his ways over my own. He told me he was fine with living a life of love for others, but he could not wrap his head around a God who would have his people worship him and surrender their lives to him. He also thought it was ridiculous that I believe Jesus was raised from the dead. I told him I completely understood where he was coming from. Paul actually agreed with his concerns when he said, If Christians are wrong, about Jesus, they should be pitied by the whole world. 
I then said to him, although it may seem crazy to you, I wouldn't trade surrendering my entire life to Jesus for anything in this world. Thankfully, he left the conversation very intrigued by my quote-unquote blind faith, and he wanted to have more conversations with me about this matter. The call to surrender your life to Jesus is the call to give Jesus everything. Every dream, doubt, fear, insecurity, past moments or future plans, relationship, money, and time. He asks that absolutely everything be completely surrendered and submitted to God's hands. This is a crossroad that every follower of Jesus must walk through as they grow closer to Him. Sometimes in the church, we focus so much on talking about God's love and Jesus on the cross that we neglect to talk about the Holy Spirit. The problem with neglecting the Spirit is that the Spirit plays a key role in our ability to surrender. I have never been to a church where the leaders don't want their congregation to grow deeper in their relationship with Jesus. The only way we grow deeper in our relationship with Jesus is through the Holy Spirit. If we neglect talking about the Spirit, we, we are quenching the Spirit from being able to transform our lives. The Spirit has many attributes to itself, helper, comforter, guide, assurance. On our own, we cannot surrender to Jesus. The Spirit is the way we are able to surrender. As the Spirit gives us strength, He will also reveal the things in our hearts and minds that we have yet to give fully over to Him. I challenge you as you finish this chapter and section of the book to take a moment to ask the Father if there's anything you haven't surrendered to His will. Ask the Spirit to give you strength to surrender and to guide and to help you through this process. The call of His surrender is the call to trust God over everything else. It is the act of saying to God that you want to follow the path He has for you, not the path you desire for yourself. Surrendering to God's will won't always make logical sense and will often take a great step of faith. Surrendering to God is also directly tied to taking part in God's divine plan for humanity. I believe that there are many great acts in history that certain men and women were called to be a part of, but because of their inability to surrender to God's will, someone else said yes, providing them the opportunity to participate in God's divine plan. What if your surrender was directly designed to occur at such a time as this, for your family, for your neighborhood, for your city, for this generation?